I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? I'm excited. It's always a joy to come into your homes, your AirPods, your workout spaces, your commutes, and we just are passionate about reaching the next generation in our world today. And it's fun, Micah, to to launch new episodes Mm -hmm. with fresh content every Monday, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Edify, um, wherever you're (laughs) listening to your podcasts and also on YouTube now as well. Yeah. So every Monday we kick off a new episode. We get to hear some amazing guests that get to come through, whether they're authors, pastors, teachers, preachers, or just making a difference in the marketplace for the name of Jesus. So we have somebody very special joining us. And this person is, I I personally believe, a hidden gem in this world of, um, I don't know, entertainment. Maybe that's the best word, right? It's a great word. And Josiah, who do we have joining us on the other side of the mic? Did I miss something? No, I'll just, I'll introduce (laughs) him with the bio in a second, but we're joined by Billy Hollowell. Billy, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're grateful for your time, your investment into young leaders Mm -hmm. across the world and also into this conversation. And Billy, by the way, is passionate about faith culture and storytelling. Uh, I mean, who doesn't love a good story? So we're going to connect with the story. Definitely. We're (laughs) fans of stories. And he is an accomplished journalist, author, um, digital TV show host, and has written, catch this, over 13,000 articles, whether it's on faith, Mm -hmm. culture, politics. And here's what I love about Billy is he's not afraid to lean into a hard conversation, difficult challenging topics. And he's also the author of several books, including Mm -hmm. most recent, Playing with Fire. And so we want to just get started by saying welcome. Thanks again for joining us on Young Adults Today. Can you dive into your story of kind of how you got to where you are and maybe became a passionate writer in the process? Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting because I'm I'm a lifelong Christian, right? I grew up in the church, going to church, and I have to tell you, it's been really fun in my 30s to finally be able to say I really get it. And I think a lot of us, and I know a lot of people dealing with youth ministry, this is an experience that many people have where, you know, I had sort of that head knowledge of faith, right? I believed it. I was a Christian, but but it really took a long time for it to transform me in a way where, and I'm not perfect by the way, but, but where I felt like I was really living for God and that no matter what it was professionally, personally, every decision was going to be taken to him. And I would say, honestly, it's been the last few years where that's really taken root. And I bring that up because I've been really blessed to have a career in media And right now I work for Pure Flix. And so I'm working in entertainment. I still do a lot in media as well on the side of that. But, you know, it's been a fun journey. I started in media when I was only 15 years old, which might sound weird or strange. But I think when I think back to my story of getting involved, it's such a great thing when you have young people who want to do things. And I was one of those young people. I wanted to write. I wanted to work in journalism since I can remember. And 
Um, I started writing young. I started a website called Teen Web Online. And it sounds so funny to me now, but this is before the world of blogs and all yeah. that. And it was in 1999 um, that this that this started. And basically that catapulted me into speaking and writing. And I had a column when I was 18 years old and I just I went to school for journalism. And so it's been an amazing journey. But I'll tell you, it's a journey where I wanted you know, to focus on politics. That was my passion area. That's what I cared about. And everything sort of centered around that until God kept saying, no, 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 you're going to come over here and you're going to do this. You're going to talk about faith. And being a Christian my whole life, I was like, well, faith is great. That's the most important thing. But I want to talk about politics. And so I won't bore you with all the details, but God really you know, put a number of positions in my path. I was the faith editor at The Blaze. Um, dot com for about five and a half years. I was a senior editor at Faithwire and now I'm at Pureflix. So it's been amazing. And that's a quick overview, but of just that process of God sort of showing, listen, I, God is the most important thing. Pointing yeah. people to Jesus is the most important thing. And so I've been blessed to be able to realize that and work in that realm. That's so fun, Billy. What a great reminder. Like we should love what we do and do what we love. And if you can absolutely invite Christ into every single one of those aspects, like you're in your thirties and you've written over 13,000 articles. Like, I think that's just a huge accomplishment for you and for you teaming up with Christ in that process. And he honors that he respects that he um, blesses that process. So all those opportunities that have come your way as a listener, I pray that you realize that there are opportunities waiting exactly. for you as well. Yep. So hopefully you're encouraged. Um, you don't have to be 70 to have a breakthrough. You can be 21 in your dorm having a major breakthrough. And, yep. you know, God really put it placing and putting a calling on your life that is um, above and beyond your own expectations and imagination. And we know that a lot of our listeners um, are young adults. Uh, a lot of our listeners may be in a form of leadership or a sure, form of totally. ministry. Um, but we know that we live in a world that is there's darkness and there's light. And you can feel that as, as time goes on and you can, you can watch that through Hollywood movies. There's always a good guy and a, a villain that are always at odds. And we know that there's um, the reality that there is Satan and there's God. And there is a huge um, component and opportunity for us as leaders, if we're claiming to be Christians and believers, is to understand those, understand the power within the the you know, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in that process. And I think one of the questions that every human being is designed to ask is primarily about the supernatural. Even a non-believer believe, may believe in some form of higher power, supernatural. Darkness as well. Yeah, like, evil. you know, like there's always something that everybody's looking for and angels and demons, good and evil. And we've, um, and you've done a great job um, like just being a journalist and approaching this in a deep divine way. And can you just like take us there for a second and share what has surprised you about this process of maybe identifying or whatever, whatever direction you want to go, will you just take us there for a couple minutes? Yeah. You know, so I've written a lot of different things, obviously. And one of the topics that would always emerge, and it was fascinating to me being a Christian, having obviously read scripture, knowing all the instances of Jesus healing people of the demonic and, and understanding that there's an evil realm as Christians, we know that we know that Satan is there, but I do think that we tend to push it aside or ignore it. Now, not everybody and not every church. I think there are some churches that fall into 
you know, there's sort of two extremes. There's the demon under every rock extreme where everything on the face of the earth goes back to the demonic. And, and there are some Christians and churches who fall under that realm. And then there's the other side, which I think a lot of churches are in today, which is we know it's there, but we're not really going to talk about it. It's not something we're going to overfocus on. And so both of those extremes can actually be problematic. And I knew about both of those extremes. I guess I didn't realize that I was a part of one of them, um, the side of let's not really talk about it until I started encountering these stories of people who had gone through things. They had gone through spiritual experiences. They yeah. were Christians. They had found healing. And as I started to encounter those stories and tell them in article form, you know, through the blaze and faith wire, the audience would really react to the, to those stories. And, you know, I kind of thought to myself, well, I'm not going to approach that again. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'll do it as it comes, but I, it's not a topic I really want to focus on because it, it's dark and it, and it really, I'll be honest, it kind of scared me a little bit, even as a Christian, because I didn't understand it. I feel that. And I think. I think that's the problem, though, with this topic. A lot of us don't really understand it. Mm -hmm. And for me as a Christian, you know, going into this book, and I'll talk about playing with fire, but going into it, I sat on the book contract for two months. I had already declined writing this book with another publisher, and it was the craziest thing. It was like God said, no, you're going to write this. And I'm going to put it in your lap. I did not fill out. And anybody who's written a book knows that you have to fill out book proposals and go... I didn't fill out a book proposal. I didn't do anything you would traditionally do. And God just brought this opportunity from Thomas Nelson into my lap and said, I want you to do this. And I was like, no, thank you, God. I think I have other things <laughs> I want to do. Um, and so, you wow. know, it's, it's just funny. And there's a whole backstory to how it happened. But as I approached the book, I found myself saying, okay, God, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make sure I'm doing quiet time every day. And I should have been doing that anyway, right? Here I am a lifelong Christian. And I think this is just a word for everybody. And it's something that I, that for me has transformed me. But, but I had this moment where I said, I've got to pray every day. I got to be reading scripture every day. I want to be in the word every day, because if I'm going to tackle evil in this way and write about it, yeah. I need to protect myself and my family. Yeah. And so I, I kind of went into it with that mindset and what really shocked me the most, because that was your initial question. And I, I'm sorry that I went on a Ted talk no, to you know, tell good. you all these other things. <laughs> but the thing that really shocked me was how few people were talking about it in the church and also how people in the church want to talk about it. And what I mean by that is so playing with fire, the book. Thomas Nelson and HarperCollins, they commissioned a survey of church leaders. And so we talked to not just pastors, but people who run Bible studies, who run Sunday school, who are involved in leadership positions in the church. And we asked a series of questions about evil. Do you believe that Satan exists? Do you believe that demons exist? Do you believe that demons can impact culture and people? And you know, we went through this whole series of questions. And obviously, the vast majority of all of those questions were answered affirmatively that people overwhelmingly believe that evil was a problem because they've read scripture and they've read Ephesians six, which we could talk about in a minute. Um, but when you ask the question, is your church talking about this enough? Has your church done enough to address this topic? Overwhelmingly, they said no. And so you had this gap, you had this real issue, this major issue of evil and of spiritual warfare that people really felt wasn't being addressed. Seven in ten, more than seven in 10 of the respondents felt that it was not being addressed in their churches. So that was the biggest wow. sort of shocker. I think, 
Uh, that's valid. And I think that one of the things, Billy, that pushed me over the edge, we've been connected for a while online and we've had conversations. I've heard your story on the phone. We've, we've had a very enjoyable conversation. And I remember hearing kind of just how God put a passion for journalism on your heart and you're 15 and get this kind of watershed breakthrough <laughs> moment. And it's, it's powerful. And one of the things that pushed us over the edge is wanting to have challenging conversations that maybe even if if we're fully honest i don't have all the answers mm -hmm. and i'm a little bit uncomfortable at times having conversations that i am not well researched in or super well versed in but i believe this that we are in an all-out war mm -hmm. and that there is i'm just also influenced by c.s lewis and everything that he writes especially on the narnia side there's mm -hmm. good and there's evil and I, I think that one of the first places we want to look in our approach is to ask you and to tap into your research and, and process is what does the Bible say about Satan, good and evil, mm -hmm. as well as angels and demons in this topic of playing with fire? Yeah, absolutely. And that was my, just so everyone knows too, that was the biggest thing for me. I said, oh, I didn't want to write it because I was afraid. I also felt like it was such a heavy topic that you don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, my approach as you know a journalist is to ask questions. And the core of this was, I don't want this book scaring people. I wanted to give people hope. Mm -hmm. And before I sort of answer that, I want to tell you that at the end of this, this book, my goal for readers, but really the goal for me, and I think what was accomplished for me, even if nobody ever read this, was that I actually felt a deep peace at the end of this. And I felt like you can't really, now I'm not going to say you can't understand Jesus at all without understanding evil, but I think you have a clearer, more pertinent understanding of who Jesus is and why we need grace and all of that when you understand evil and when you understand that what what evil looks like and so to answer your question one of the most overlooked parts of scripture and obviously we talk about it a lot we read it but we don't analyze it enough is ephesians 6. you know this question about evil we're sitting in a time in which culture is deeply confused everybody's wow. fighting everyone so hates true. everyone and you open ephesians 6 and you start to read it and you realize it's telling us we're in a battle between good and evil that we mm -hmm. don't necessarily see. We see the effect of that battle unfolding in front of us, but we're not understanding that there's something far deeper going on. And so we're all sitting here thinking we're in a battle over flesh and blood. And that's what culture is telling us, right? We're fighting with each other. We need to hate that group or this group. And it's such a distraction because Ephesians 6 maps out perfectly not only the problem which is that there's this battle over good and evil, which I have to tell you, I read that a thousand times as a Christian and never really thought about it until I worked on this book, um, but also the solution hmm. and the solution being, well, how do you, how do you survive in a battle over good and evil? You put on the armor of God, right? What does that mean? Right. You live like a Christian. Like mm -hmm. this is so overcomplicated. <laughs> and that's why when I was so afraid to write the book, it's like, what am I afraid of? We have authority over evil as Christians. Yeah. It doesn't mean we won't face struggles or we won't face spiritual warfare. But what it means is that we don't have to fear these things. Mm -hmm. And that's a really powerful, um, that's a really powerful thing. And so for me, it was focusing on that and then really looking at who is Satan? Like, what does the Bible tell us about Satan? And when you look at the descriptions throughout scripture, 
it's remarkable because we know Satan is bad. We understand all of that, but you know, a liar, a deceiver, trying to confuse, trying to kill and destroy. And a lot of these descriptions are absolutely in line with what we see happening in culture. And that is that to me is really remarkable to sort of then go back to Ephesians 6 and see that evil seeping into our culture. And so what are we called to do? We're called to live like Christians, right? So not to oversimplify, but I think that's the message of Ephesians 6. Yeah, I think it's a great reminder of recognizing that we we do have the power. We shouldn't be afraid of evil, but we have to know what is coming our way. How do we combat it? What is the scripture say about that? And how do we defend ourselves and defend? Like you said, before I read this book, I need to like be in the word and I need to be ready because once you start writing something, you don't know what's going to come your way that you say yes. And the enemy says, okay, here we go. You know? So I would just ask you this, what, like, what should we be mindful about when we open ourselves up to things, whether it is through social media, whether it's through movies, whether it's through prayer walks, whether it's through, um, you know, because I know lots of people who love to pray and they're prayer warriors and they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they've had a lot of experience. And sometimes you hear people go in like, we're going to claim this land and this is going to be our domain. And it's like, well, you don't know the cultural history, the spiritual atmosphere, the supernatural things that have taken place or what has been practiced in a specific area or homes or land i don't know whatever you want to say but what should we be mindful about when we open ourselves up to that form of declaring war on the enemy essentially (laughs) yeah i mean i think this is everything we do you know we need to be led in prayer right we need to follow the holy spirit in everything we do and i think it's interesting to look in one of the things i did in addition to looking at evil and what is evil and looking at the stories in scripture of jesus encountering evil and you know jesus really performing exorcisms throughout the new testament i mean it's remarkable these stories when you really dive into them was to look at stories of today what is going on today what are these claims that people have had and I don't tell people what to think. I present the details and some people will say, I don't believe this story. Others will say they do, but there's some really compelling stories out there of people who have faced some pretty unbelievable things spiritually and have come out on the other side and found healing. I think if we're, we need to be careful how we approach all of these things. For me, I realize that that Ephesians six message of being equipped and putting on the armor of God, it meant that, you know, you can't, First of all, you can't win a war if you don't realize you're in it. So if you start there, you know, so if we're not talking about these things, we're not even aware we're in the battle then. Right. So that was a huge takeaway for me. Um, A, so if you know you're in the war, you can't really fight it because you're not even aware that you're in it. Um, But then B, starting at that initial starting point of not doing a Bible study and praying because you're checking off a list of things to do, but doing it because it's it's forging a relationship with the almighty and forging a relationship that's going to not only edify your life and lead you where you're supposed to be and connect you to Christ and, and, you know, solidify your eternity, but that's going to help you deal with anything that's going to come your way. I think you have to start there. And I think a lot of people sort of start with making a declaration of what they're going to do, but maybe they haven't done that first part yet. And I was somebody who was really in that camp. And I, since writing this book and making that commitment to be really 
connected daily, I have very rarely missed a day of doing that. It has transformed everything. It's changed everything for me. So I think you approach it starting there with your relationship with God. But again, it doesn't mean you're not going to face these struggles. I think some people will embrace a false promise of, well, I'll never have spiritual warfare in my life. Then, or I'll, And I'm not talking about possession or these extreme elements, which right. are much rarer but I'm talking about the everyday things that happen in our lives, the roadblocks that Satan throws in our way, the thoughts that you know we struggle with. Um, we're living in a really complex time, as I was saying before, and this complex time demands of us that not only we're, we are aware of what is happening, but that we come prepared for that battle with those things. So that may not directly answer it, but I, I think I want to just go back to that because I think that's so central to not only how we live, but how we combat the current climate of what is happening around us well and billy diving into the current climate right now today 2021 i look at mm -hmm. it's no surprise i just say that sentence mm -hmm. and the listener knows exactly what i'm talking about how everything is polarized and how everything is so tense and it can also not only be tense tense might be the mild way of putting it it's also as deep as toxic Right. You know, and yeah. you kind of have that range from tense to, to toxic um, in our world today. And I believe this, that the what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, the eye is the lamp for the body. If your eyes are healthy, your mm -hmm. whole body will be full of light. And the opposite can be true as well, mm -hmm. that if if your eyes aren't healthy, there's a world of darkness and a battle that's waging and raging. And I think it really teaches me to be mindful of what I'm opening myself up to, whether it's entertainment, TV, social media, streaming, movies. Um, and, and I'll ask you kind of a couple of questions. You can take it either way you want. Where I want to go is talking about culture through the lens of a Christian. And I guess my motivation for asking this question is really because we're in a season, Micah and I, we have a 15 month old daughter and we're days away from another baby joining our family. So I'm in this Amazing. fresh lens where I'm, I'm like, okay, it's not just me that's in the war. The next generation is in the war and there's a, so how do I raise parents? How do we raise parents? Maybe even for the listener, children. how parents oh, raise <laughs> for us as parents, how do we raise children? There you go. <laughs> um, to be Christ followers in a time where, we're in a post-Christian culture. So you can either talk about culture through a Christian lens, or if you want to dive into maybe parenting, raising Christian yeah. children in, in a time mm -hmm. where culture is really post-Christian. Well, you know, it's funny. You had that little Freudian slip there. I do think it might start with raising parents first, like, you know, not to like make a pun <laughs> off of what you said, because it's, so Hard there was a study a couple years ago. <laughs> I'll just pause. The struggle is real. You can tell that sometimes. He must have pregnancy brain. <laughs> Listen, I, I have a five and an eight-year-old, so I know. I know what this is like. It wasn't that long ago. So no, but it's yeah. what you said is really interesting because, you know, we could joke about it, but there was a study from the Annenberg Center a few years back, and it found that parents, and this goes for Christians in particular, by the way, that not, not that Christians were surveyed necessarily in this, but that human beings in general watching adults, watching negative content, sexual, violent content, were more likely to think that that content was okay for their kids. So when you would start rating content for kids, 
they were desensitized. They weren't right. recognizing that maybe there were some things their kids shouldn't be watching. And so that joke of raising parents first, I think a lot of us, I mean, look at, look at what's on TV. We all know this in the last five to 10 years, the content has just metastasized into something that is unrecognizable from what we would have been watching when we were kids, what we would have been watching even a few years back. And so there's a lot happening there. Culture is being conditioned to believe and think certain things through the content that we're watching. And so that for me as a parent, and I have my kids are obsessed with their iPads. And so it's a huge battle. I know people who have kids know that this is a struggle and there's so much research on the impact of that, but really being aware of what we're watching, right? You know, as adults too, let's, let's be honest, there's a massive porn epidemic in this country and in this world, and it's actually deeply affecting the church. There's surveys that show some really staggering and shocking proportions of pastors and youth pastors and others in the church who are also struggling with this problem. So we, what we are allowing in has a major impact on us. And so I will say in the last couple of years, I've felt much more convicted about the things that I'm watching. Um, and for me, it was such a process like music, movies, TV shows, you know, what message does it send to our kids if we're like, well, you can't watch this, right? You shouldn't watch this, which is what we should appropriately do, but then we're watching it and they know we're watching it. And so for me though, the deeper problem is what are we allowing in and how is it transforming us? A lot of us will complain that we didn't have time to read scripture today because we had to work and we had all these other things, but I guarantee that most of us saying that, and I've been in this camp, I'm guilty of it, probably had two hours to, to watch something on TV or watch a movie. Right. So it's, it's such a struggle. I think for kids, we have to be really aware that content is changing. And that if there are things you don't want your kids seeing or topics that you want to introduce to your kids, Mm -hmm. that you have to be super on top of every single thing that they are watching and consuming and doing. And that is a passion point for me, but also not to be redundant, it's also a passion point for me to talk to adults and to talk to Christians and to say, well, look, maybe we need to look at what we're watching too. It's not just about the kids. That's good. Well, and I know the work that you do, not every listener is going to be familiar with Pure Flix, but I'd love to have you talk about just this idea mm-hmm. of positive, uplifting content. I know that something we're really mindful mm-hmm. of is what's on our phones, what's on our TV, because our daughter, she's 15 months and she knows how to work my iPhone. She, I, it's amazing. <laughs> Better than you do probably, right? Because yeah. they, they grow up on it. Yeah. Well, and so we go to the Apple store to pick up something yesterday it was at the Mall of America and she was patiently waiting and the gal commented, your daughter's so cute. And I said, thanks so much. I said, she's actually an Apple native. Like she, <laughs> she knows how to run an Apple TV. She yeah. loves typing on the keyboard of my MacBook and she's all about uh, <laughs> carrying the phone around, pretending she's seriously. <laughs> so I mean, she's a sponge, and she's watching. And so, I'd love to have you dive into whether you want to talk about Edify or as well as PureFlix, but also just like from the vantage point of maybe young parents, other listeners who are like mm-hmm. wanting to build their home with with good tools and good content that is godly and mm-hmm. uplifting and wholesome. Can you go there for a few? I know it's off script, but I know you're. No, I love it. About it. I love it. I think, you know, my passions, I wrote a book a few years ago um, called Fault Line, and it was about Hollywood media and universities and education and how those three areas outside of the church, it's where we learn. Wow. And, you know, I've worked in media for years. I've, I teach, I'm a college professor. 
and I've worked in those in those secular and Christian arenas. And then, but I had never really worked in Hollywood. I'd only covered it. And so an opportunity came about three years ago to work at PureFlix and to sort of leave the new daily news writing business and to move into a totally different realm. And I thought, what an amazing thing. You know, God's storing this in my path. I want to learn new ways of storytelling. And so for those who aren't familiar, PureFlix is a streaming platform. It's a, a faith-and-family-friendly streamer. And so you've got thousands of TV shows and movies that are geared toward a Christian audience. And there's not content you're going to have to worry about. Um, there are certain shows that are for adults, and they're dealing with you know deeper themes. So not every single thing is going to be for kids, but the amount of kids' content wow. on PureFlix is phenomenal. And there's, I mean, from Veggie Tales down the line to see kids and all these other great animated shows. And really it's a platform that you can feel is safe for your family. And that is something that is so lacking right now. Oh, You've got a lot of streamers and companies out there. They're presenting things. Oh, you know, here's one Christian movie. And then here are 500,000 things that are not going to be safe, you know, for your family to watch. And so it's been amazing to be a part of that. And you know, I would encourage people. It's cool. You know, just a little plug. It's a free, you get a free week trial. So you could try it out. If you go to pureflix.com, see what's there. But one of the really fun things, even if you don't, if you're like, I'm not going to subscribe right now, I'm not going to try it out. We have insider.pureflix.com and that's our daily blog. And so I write the content there. We do Bible verse lists, inspirational stories. We are constantly posting content there and that's free to read. Um, and just, you know, I think the goal, again, is to create this environment for people that people are flocking to because they're looking for this. And I would encourage parents, you know, looking to build worldview, because here's the thing. Everybody has a worldview. And I talk to a lot of secular people in the secular world who don't like that term. They'll say, oh, that's just a Christian term. Well, it's actually not. We, we all have a worldview that we've built. And what builds our worldview, as you know, and if we're trying to build a worldview in, in a younger generation, are the things that we believe in our heart based on what we've seen, what we've experienced, what we're allowing in. And it goes back to the discussion we were just having. And so being a part of something like that has been really incredible. And it's been really rewarding to hear stories of families and individuals whose lives have been changed as a result of just the content that they're watching. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just the power of positive thinking, even in exposure of what you're exposing yourself to. Like you even said the word desensitization, like you've desensitized or we've desensitized our uh, ourselves or the culture has when it comes to anything of the world, you know, and, and that's where we truly believe like, yeah, we are in a war where it's between that, that lust and the, and the flesh and the spirit and all these things coming to a head. And you had a, he already alluded to the fact that you have a five and eight year old and they're, they're on their social media platforms, maybe not on the platform, but they're on technology device, yeah. and on their, on a, on a device and, you know, if we as parents need to have those safeguards up and we need to protect the next generation, um, but also lead them in a way towards the heart of Christ. And for the listener, we know that they are, they're in the thick of it. They are part of the next generation or they're leading the next generation. So Billy, I would just ask you this, like when it comes to the next generation, like why do you believe that young adult ministry is important? Because you're five and eight year old, they're going to be young adults someday. Why do you believe that young adult ministry is so important in this day and age? 
I, I mean, it's it's so essential. It's never been in American culture more important. And, and here's why. We know the numbers. We know the statistics. Generation Z is the most depressed, disconnected. I mean, the numbers are very disheartening, the most likely to not identify with faith. But at the same time, this is a generation seeking hope, seeking faith. And you know, we, we talk a lot about those negatives, right? And those negatives are real. When you have people, when you have a suicide rate that is skyrocketing, when you have addiction, when you have all these issues that are going on loneliness at a time when there are more devices and more connecting opportunities than ever to have more loneliness is a very strange thing. But the other side of that are the opportunities that are there. There are massive, massive opportunities. There is a culture that is selling confusion and lies. And a lot of people don't even realize they're a part of perpetuating that, but it's happening and it's happening all around us and it's impacting that next generation. We know what's happening to the teenagers today. We know what's happening to young adults today. We also know that the next generation coming up, it's probably going to be even harder. And so we know that there's a massive opportunity and that's what makes ministry to young adults so important right now. And, you know, not, I'm not trying to just be doom and gloom because we're hearing amazing stories of people coming to faith of young people realizing that these are lies. Again, if you don't know you're in a war, how are you going to fight the war? If you don't know that you're being lied to and that culture is telling you those lies, how are you going to embrace the truth? And so it's our job to reach people with that truth. And that's why I love what you guys are doing. And I just think there are so many amazing people rising up within the church to reach that next generation. We know the call before us. We know the information we have, and it's really the time now to double down and act on that. That is uh, deeply something that resonates mm -hmm. with Mike and I, because we feel like we're mm -hmm. in the thick of it of example last night we met with a couple who is leading a young adult ministry here in the twin cities and to hear the stories of some of their young adults who attended our minnesota young adults weekend yeah. just in may gal got water baptized and right. is making like she gave her heart to christ in may at an event for a weekend with young adults and now is is plugged into a local church just got water baptized last sunday mm -hmm. and is just on a pathway of discipleship and you you look at the trajectory mm -hmm. of life change that things like young adult ministry offers the i think of like the next billy hallowell the the next mm -hmm. person right now who might be starting a blog or a vlog or a podcast or exploring their gifts mm -hmm. and their passion set and the call of god on their life and right. it's it's fun to think and talk about the next generation. And it leads us to a point, Billy, where we really enjoy diving just one step further. And we, we call this last part five and five. It's five questions in five minutes, kind of rapid fire. You think you're up for it? I Yeah, that sounds great. Should I kick us off? Yeah, kick All us right. off, Billy. Let's I'll do kick it. Us off. Okay, Billy, question number one. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Oh, this one's hard. Um, I would, I would like to think devoted, curious, because I'm always curious. I want to know, I want to know more. I want to understand. I love to interview people and ask questions. And I would say burdened because I feel more burdened. All the things that we're talking about, I'm feeling even more burdened about them in, in recent years. So I don't know if those are great, but those are the ones I'm going to go with. Hey, those are good. First. Those are good. It's amazing. We also know the role that mentors can play in our, our life as leaders, as disciplers, and um, as mentors. And maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's somebody, but we love to honor those who have gone before us, who have 
given us the opportunity to stand on their shoulders. Um, is there anybody that comes to mind in your life that mm-hmm. made a difference in an investment? Yeah. You know, all of my pastors that I've had throughout the years when I was a kid and then moved to New York and went to college, but I, I think my current pastor who I've been with for probably 12 years now, more than 12 years, um, Charlie Restivo, I would say he really has invested. And, you know, I love when you have somebody obviously who's going to give you truth, you can go to for answers, but they kind of see a potential in you or they see something in you that, you know, God's shown them that, but you haven't seen that in yourself. And so I've been blessed to have a lot of, you know, preachers in my path who have been that way. But my current pastor, I would say has been just amazing as a sounding board and just not only his general messages and the teachings that he's given me and my family, but a one-on-one connection that has really changed the way that I even see, you know, my future and the things that I could do. And, you know, honestly, I've never thought of ministry as something that I would directly go into. Now, obviously I believe I have a ministry and I, but when I say ministry, a church necessarily, and I don't know that I ever will, but you know, that's, that's an example of something that Charlie has seen in me, maybe that I haven't seen in myself. So I, I love mentors who can show us those things. Amazing. That's beautiful. Okay. So I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but we're going to throw you a curveball with question number three, question number three is mixing it up. And it is, if you could ask Josiah and myself one question, what would you ask us today? What is it that drives you both? What is the thing that makes you do and continue to do what it is you do? Oh man, do you want to go first? Happy to. For me, it's very simple. It's seen when I was in uh, five years old, went to a Billy Graham event and discovered that God had a plan for my life. And I've been following him ever since it was a lifelong decision. And, And that is the same God who, when I was in fifth grade and had an uncle commit suicide, he gave me and my family hope when our family wasn't sure if we where the next paycheck was going to come from. He's the same God who provided and uh, he healed me of tension headaches. And when I was in a place where I didn't know the direction of my future, he guided me and and provided a path. And I know that I know also that for me, it boils down to one thing. And that is the power of the cross. Mm -hmm. I remember having a, a career path and plan that I had decided and having this conflict that went on for like six, eight, nine, 10 months throughout my senior year of high school into my freshman year of college, where I finally had that hands open, fully surrendered a God moment. And he showed me through really the next generation, instead of walking away from the church and their faith, that I could be one of the people that he could use to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living for my generation Mm -hmm. and the future generations to come. So that compels me, that love, the power of the cross. That's good. That's what it is. What about you? I love that. I think just creativity. I think that's one thing that I love. I love that God has designed me and created me to be creative, whether it's doing ministry creatively. I'm passionate about like fitness and exercise and I did a Bible study where I structured it around a workout 
healthy food, rejuvenating our body, and then the word of God. And I saw women come alive in that. So every Tuesday night we would meet, whether it's a Zumba class, a Tabata class, whatever class that I structured, because I was a personal trainer and fitness instructor. I was like, this is an outlet for me, but also a witnessing opportunity. So we talked about like the physical aspects of things, what we fill our mind and body with, and then we dive into the word of God. So just the creativity, I think that the white slate that God has given any anybody who truly believes. Um, and I, I guess I maybe because I have an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I like to leave things better than I found them. I like to create content. I like to leave people better than I found them. So whether it's a person or a furniture or a pen and paper, I'm old school. Don't put me on a computer. I'm like, I will write it out and then I'll type it up. Oh, and then I'll type it again, probably. <laughs> so I think just the freedom of creativity to be who God's designed and created me to be and encourage other young adults to discover that um, and call out that greatness in them in the process of me using my gifts and my talents and just things that I'm passionate about and just creating opportunities, I think is huge for young adults. I feel like that's a burden that God's given me. Like you're not God, you're not the Holy Spirit, but I've asked you to create an opportunity for them to discover what I have for them through the form of ministry that I've allowed you to be creative with. So I think that's what kind of keeps me up at night, the creative aspect of things and just the ability to like, to me, it's a white slate, like do whatever you want. Okay, Lord, interrupt my day erase things, move things, shuffle them around, however we can do that. So I think that's my answer for today. So I love that. Question. Those are great. Those are really good answers. <laughs> Billy, thanks so much uh, for asking that. It keeps us on our toes as well. And so back to you. <laughs> this is a lifelong learner question. We resonate with the curiosity that you mm -hmm. have. And our curious question today is the question of maybe it's an embarrassing moment or a glorious epic failure, but is there some life lesson that you learned the hard way that you'd be willing to share? Yeah, actually, I mean, it's, it's interesting because this journey of when I said earlier in the interview that, you know, I, I was always a Christian. I understood it more in my head than I did in my heart until a certain point. And I think a lot of people who grew up in the church can resonate with that at moments, you, you know, you believe it, but has it really sunk in? And one of the biggest challenges that I have had working in media is you're always trying to do the next thing. You're always looking for attention. And, and I'm, and I'm not in that camp anymore, but that was a, the bulk of my career was really about me. And it wasn't about, you know, yes, it was about God, but that was not my focal point. My focal point was how can I progress myself and make myself bigger and get my name out there more? And who could I talk to who could help make that happen? And that was really a struggle for me for a good chunk of probably the last 10 years up until maybe a year or two ago. And I had a book that I had written that I was really passionate about. And I believe that it was going to do so well. And, you know, it was a complete failure. And the reason it was a failure was um, because I didn't follow God into it. I, I made it happen. I pushed for it to happen. I didn't seek him out. And so, you know, it's really painful when you put a lot of effort into something and it doesn't, and it doesn't 
perform well. It doesn't do well. And you can start to put your value in that and your identity. And identity obviously is such a buzzword now, but it's such an important word because we all put our identity in something. And I really put it in my work. I put it in what I was doing. And so that can have a major detrimental impact. And it's it's embarrassing when you do something and it doesn't perform. It shouldn't be. But at where I was at that point, it was. And so it was a real lesson for me to make sure that, and it was just part of this process that God is first in everything I'm doing. I didn't want to write playing with fire, which is a different book than the one I'm talking about, but I'm glad God sent me on that path and I'm glad that I followed him into it. And so that's just an encouragement for people that to make sure, again, it goes back to that Ephesians six message. Are you yeah. putting on that armor? Are you leading your life the way God wants you to, or are you making it about yourself? So yeah. It's a great reminder as a leader that everything is birthed in prayer um, or should be, that's my belief, everything should be birthed in prayer and God's blessing just comes along with that. And sometimes doors are opened up and the hinges are blown off and we're called to do things that we didn't anticipate. Just like this book you're talking about, like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I'm good, God. I think I'll write about something else. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with this. I don't need to do it. I mean, that was my mindset, right? But, but I'm so glad because he taught me so much through and I think yeah. we forget that. We forget that sometimes that sometimes the lesson is for us um, as well. So, well, I just want to say thank you for going there and just reminding us and just sharing part of your story. But Billy, we've come to the final question. And if we were to hand you the microphone today, and if you were to speak to college pastors and young adult ministry leaders, what is one thing you would leave them with? Mm, That's a really tough one. I think that I would tell them to not underestimate the crisis of identity. And I think we know that this is going on that is existing in our culture today. And to not underestimate that among young people who are in the church, who say that they're in the church, who believe, and that the remedy to that is obviously the gospel and connecting people to that, but to just being present, as hard as that is to do. I know so many people are torn in so many different directions. You know, I often have not been present for people in my life in a way that because I'm so busy and I can't, you know, I don't have the time. Well, we need to make that time individually one-on-one for people because a lot of times the things that I think plague our identity um, and lead us down the wrong path are things that we can help people solve if we were there to give them our time and to be present for it. And so those are sort of two different things, but I think they're related. The not underestimating the identity piece and to being present to helping people work through the very complex issues that we are facing now. There's lots of things we can do from a 30,000 foot level, speaking Mm -hmm. to massive groups of people, but there's also a lot that needs to be done one-on-one. And that's a challenge with time, but it's it's just the truth. It is, it is a challenge. And I think it was um, recently, I was listening to a podcast on leadership and business. And, you know, this leader was talking with Andy Stanley about how much preparation goes into like a talk or a message or something Mm -hmm. from the platform. And then how many CEOs or leaders don't prepare for a one-on-one at all, whether it's prayer, whether it's to your point of the armor of God, or just what questions could I come prepared with? What could I offer this person? How could I be present? And I just want to lean into that, that this is something that if we prepare when we get up on the stage and not just let it rip from kind of flying by the seat of our pants. That's kind of the same approach when we show up with people, whether it's over a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. a small group, a one-on-one to, to think through, to pray through and to prepare through is an opportunity that we have. So really that's an amazing charge. 
And bottom line, we just want to say thank you for having this conversation with us today. Thank you. This has been amazing. I really appreciate you having me. Of course. And by the way, if you want to find out more about whether it's Billy Hollowell, Pure Flicks, and Playing With Fire, you can Mm -hmm. connect with us on our website, which is Young Adults Stock Today, as well as across our social media platforms, is simply at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Mike Dickmaley signing off, saying, see you next time with Billy Hollowell. Thanks so much, you guys. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.